many people wish they started sooner, but almost nobody wishes they started later. Today, we are talking all about the art of starting, and this is a topic that is near and dear to my heart because I want to encourage you, no matter what stage, age, place you are in life, to start now. I'm Kelly Youngstrom, and this is Keep Yourself Well. Okay, so I am sitting here drinking a tea, recording a podcast after having returned from CrossFit and Brazilian Jiu Jitsu and working on some of my schooling for my master's degree. This might sound like a lot, and it truly is not as much as it sounds. The point I'm trying to make is these are all things that I have started within the last year from the age of 29 to 30. And I feel like people always seem very surprised when, you know, I announce that I'm starting something new or I have, you know, embraced my education at 30, well, again, re-embraced, and that's not even totally accurate. I have always been a lifelong student and continuing my education, just not necessarily in a traditional university form for the last handful of years. I took a little university hiatus, and now here we are back uh, to work on my master's degree. But, you know, I feel like there almost was this level of when I, you know, started jujitsu at 29 and started CrossFit this year at 30 and, you know, accepted entrance into my master's degree at, at 30. It's like this kind of, oh, good for you at that age, question mark, which I find very interesting because I think it is a reflection of other people's mindset on age and this box that they put themselves in terms of age. I truly believe that age is no barrier to anything I will ever achieve in life. And that's always kind of been my attitude personally. I guess I always have felt older than my age. I don't want to necessarily say wise beyond my years, but just older than my age and that I feel like I have managed to do a lot in a fairly short amount of time. And I always say like live many different iterations of my own life within my 30 years, which I absolutely love. And I love the art of reinvention, not in terms of me as a person, you know, at at my core, I'm the same person, although always working to grow and expand and become better and more kind and more empathetic and, you know, more just connected with people and myself and all of these things. So, you know, not the same version of myself, but I'm still me, but I am constantly working to challenge myself and to grow and to try new things. And I feel like I don't always see that around me, although I I feel like it's coming and I have just been inspired by so many people lately. And something that comes up a lot across my Instagram feed is this, I mean, it's not a meme, but a a kind of a quote. 
And I see it all the time. Like, I'm almost certain that if you are listening to this episode, you will have seen this at some point. And it says it's supposed to be motivational and inspirational. And I would kind of almost argue the latter. So it says start at 30, fail at 34, try something new at 35, feel like you're in limbo, discover a new passion, be different from everyone else, start a business at 37, set boundaries, fumble and triumph, start again at 40 and still succeed. And I think the sentiment of that is amazing. And I don't want to be a Debbie Downer. Obviously, it's meant to be inspirational, but I see different iterations of this kind of same motivational quote, I guess you'll call it. And they all kind of start at 30. It's like, just don't forget, like life's not over at 30. I'm like, but who's actually like, does none of us think that way? <laughs> like nobody thinks that 30 is so young. Um And I mean, I turned 30 this year um, in February, this past February, I totally embrace aging. It's a celebration of life lived. And I feel like part of celebrating aging is really being fulfilled in what you're doing and challenging yourself and trying new things and making the most of you know, every year. And I think a lot of that comes down to goal setting, you know, setting goals for yourself within a year. I would also almost argue that goal setting within your own year in relation to your birth year is more exciting and maybe more relevant than New Year's goals. Uh, You know, like this is your 30th year or your 40th year or your 20th year, whatever year it is for you. And I think that's really exciting for me because my birthday is on February 14th. It's close enough to the new year that I, you know, batch goal set all in one. But if your birthday is not close to the new year, I think it's totally relevant to set goals for yourself within your personal year. So I have saved this quote on my phone, this start at 30, fail at 34, da, 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 motivation, motivation, rah, rah not because I really love it because I want to kind of like counter it because I feel like there's kind of a baseline assumption that we're all like generally walking around thinking life ends at 30 and we need someone motivational to come and step in and say, that's not the case. And, uh, you know, obviously it is not the case. Am I doing the exact thing that I just said? Like, I don't want someone else to do. I digress. Uh, so, you know, I think it's a really amazing compliment not to sit here and talk about myself, but hello, it's, I guess it's my podcast. So I have to do some of that sometimes where people are kind of impressed or surprised or shocked or whatever, uh, descriptor you would like to use that I, you know, try new things so consistently. And this is kind of a promise I've always made to myself. So I have always tried to be actively learning something new all of the time. And not only in terms of, you know, like book education and a traditional education, but also in terms of activities and skills. So I have taken singing lessons. I have taken dancing lessons. (laughs) Not well, I did not do either of those things. Well, I have taken, oh, Um, drama. I did a a stage acting class where I had to like memorize lines and perform in front of people. And 
these were none of these things were ended up being real passions of mine. They were things that I was interested in and intrigued by and thought I might be passionate about. But then I wasn't, but I committed to trying and most importantly, committed to following through. And I think one of the biggest pieces of advice I can have in terms of making the most of every single year and continuing to try new things and grow and expand as you age is this like the art of success is based on not not only not fearing failure, which arguably no one's just fearing failure on their own. They're, I think, scared of the judgment of failure when it comes to others, right? But we don't care. We don't care. We're going to try to embrace not caring what other people think um, because I don't really believe in, in failure. I don't. That term really doesn't have a place in my vernacular, because I don't know how to define failure, you know, not getting first place is not a failure. It means that I still achieved many things along the way. If we're, you know, trying to classify it as, you know, not winning is failing. I don't, I don't know. I don't, I, I just don't comprehend failure because I just think that that is such a limiting black and white term, but arguably, you know, it, it's this fear of, of the judgment of others that, that fear of failure. But so the art of success, I think is based not only on not fearing, fearing failure, but on embracing embarrassment. I truly think embarrassment holds people back so much. And this is, I think it's like an internalization of a, a level of self-induced fear, right? This, this fear of embarrassment. We're all going to stumble when we're beginners at no matter what it is, right? Like no matter what it is. And I think that embarrassment and excitement can be misconstrued for one another. Uh, I say this a lot with, I actually, I mentioned this on the podcast episode with Brooke, when we were talking about public speaking, for example, the feelings of nervousness and excitement physiologically represent very similarly within the body. And I think the same goes for, uh, you know, embarrassment and excitement, it's displeasuring, it's the butterflies, you know, but when you classify it as embarrassment or have this fear of not being the best, I mean, that's absolutely ridiculous. If we're brand new at something, we of course are not going to be the best. We have to take that pressure off of ourselves. But, you know, I think really like to be successful at anything new, we have to not fear failure and we have to embrace embarrassment and not say those things like they're bad words. You know, like failure is not a bad word. It means that you tried something. And I think that if we flip how we think of it in terms of, you know, failure and embarrassment, it's the same, you know, it's a, it's a one in the same where we can think of it as this really amazing reflection of the bravery and courage of having tried. And I really want to take age out of this conversation right off the hop now, because there is just no age that is a limit, you know, there is just no age that is a limit. And um, I say this because I have, as long as I can remember, said that I'm going to live to 104. I'm going to live till I'm 104 years old. I'm 30. I feel like 
you know what? Like I, I am confident and proud in what I've achieved by the age of 30. And if I can keep achieving and pushing myself and growing and educating myself, how I have thus far, you know, for the next decades beyond decades, I can't even imagine where I'll be at 104. And I don't uh, listen to the naysayers who say to me, you don't want to live till you're 104, you know, you're going to be like sick and tired. And I mean, that's not the version of 104 I'm imagining. And I'm going to give like ketogenic nutrition, big props for the version of me that I expect to be thriving cognitively and physically at 104 years old. So I say that with confidence, say it and make it so. Uh, So this not fearing failure and this embracing embarrassment is something that I think takes time. Uh, And I think too, oftentimes we become so comfortable not embracing those things and not pushing ourselves through the discomfort of these states that is one of the reasons that people often stop trying things and putting themselves out there to new opportunities and experiences as we get older. It, I don't think it's related to age. I think it's related to the habit of comfort. I think it's just related to the habit of not pushing through these uncomfortable states. So I like to flex the muscle of failure and embarrassment in forcing myself into situations that are mildly uncomfortable. This is maybe not something I'm doing like so specifically now because I don't really feel as though I need to because I've gained confidence in not fearing failure and embracing embarrassment. But earlier on in my 20s, I would actually say like my mid to late 20s, I did start fearing failure. And I was worried about what would happen if I tried something new and didn't succeed as I was kind of taking some pivots in my life. And so I decided that I needed to start flexing this muscle. And this is how I ended up taking drama classes, acting classes, a hip hop dance class. And like, what you guys, I'm not trying to be humble. When I tell you I was awful at all of these things, like, I don't want to encourage anyone to deep dive on my embarrassing Instagram post, but at one, I think it still is up there. Maybe I, I might have like uh, archived it at this point, but at once upon a time, there was a video of me doing my final presentation for this acting class. And do you know what? It was worth it because I followed through with something that made me incredibly uncomfortable. I was so nervous before every single class. I didn't know anyone. I went on my own. It was weeks worth of classes. And then we had to do a presentation that was filmed at the end. And I wanted to quit every single time, not because I wasn't having fun and wasn't enjoying it. You know, I was having fun, even though I wasn't great at it, but because I was so nervous every single time, but I continued and I followed through and eventually it became more and more fun. So the forcing myself through these discomforts really was something that was helpful for me personally. And I really think that it is a habit that we can develop to push ourselves into these zones. And it still pops up from time to time. Um, for example, I started Brazilian jiu-jitsu pre, well, I guess I shouldn't say pre-COVID, kind of like 
intra intra COVID when there was um, some leniency on the restrictions. This would have been August of 2020. Um, so I only got a few months in under my belt and then we had to take like an eight month hiatus, unfortunately, because the gym had to close for COVID, but now we're back. So I started Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu at 29. Now, oh my gosh, it was nerve wracking. It was nerve wracking. I was worried about every single thing from the detail of how to time my belt properly, warming up. I tripped and face planted in front of everyone, like my first or second warm up. I broke my pinky toe in a warm up, like my second or third class. When I tell you, I, I had some embarrassment, like it started to creep up. I definitely had some struggles of embracing embarrassment, but this is where I think that discipline of following through is really important. It is so rare that we enjoy something the first time we try it when we're not great at it yet. And we're experiencing some of those butterfly feelings of uncertainty and a lack of confidence because we're new and we don't know the systems and we don't know what we're doing. And, you know, that little bit of embarrassment that comes with it. Arguably, when we try most things for the first time, I think we feel that way. And I think it's so important to kind of commit beyond the first class or the first experience. And this is why I would sign up for like classes or programs or, you know, commitments beyond just one session. It was like, okay, I'm doing this. So, you know, it was jujitsu and it was really, it was challenging to not know what I was doing in the beginning. And eventually like slowly, but surely it started building and I started feeling more confident in what I was doing. And now I absolutely love it. And I knew that I would, but I had to give myself that opportunity and give myself that grace of, you know, going through the growing pains, which I am talking like I'm an expert. I'm no way, shape or form an expert. I'm still a white belt. I, feel like I'm st- still a beginner in every, well, I am still a beginner in every sense of the word. So, uh, you know, but I'm so glad I kept with it. I started CrossFit this year, um, just a few months ago. And that was something that I had a lot of kind of, I don't want to say fear, but I was hesitant to try it for a long time. It was something that was intimidating to me. And I just was like, you know what, I'll try one class. And then I really did enjoy it, but I knew that it was going to take time for me to be confident in, in many of the movements and, you know, so on and so forth. And this year I started my master's degree and, you know, there was that little whisper in my ear of, well, you know, what are you, what's, what happens with the master's degree? You know, I'm doing it part-time online because my business is my number one focus. This is, you know, to support me in my growth and to support my clients and uh, to hopefully allow me to expand my influence with ketogenic nutrition in a greater way uh, in the future. So if I'm doing it part-time, that's, you know, three years. And what if I you know, maybe one day would like to go beyond a master's degree. Well, then I'm the for like those things pop up. Well, who cares what? Okay. So I finish at 34. That time is going to pass anyways. You know, like if I was to continue on and I guess the next step would be a PhD, you know, if that is in the cards for me in the future, 
I mean, cool that I'm 40 and I have a PhD and something that I have seen come up across uh, Instagram so much lately that I love. And every single time I see it, I save it. When I look at my saved posts on Instagram, I swear, I kid you not, no exaggeration. I have this post saved at least seven times, maybe more. And it's from this man who just sounds incredible. And like, I want to know him named Douglas Lumsden. And he says, for what it's worth, I was 43 when I got a PhD. I was 51 when I started my dream job. I was 54 when I married the love of my life. I was 55 when I ran my first marathon. I was 67 when I self-published my first book. I turned 70 next year and I can't wait. That gives me so many good feelings. It just gives me chills. It's so exciting. And I just, I love that angle of it more than like the kind of don't life's not over at 30. Don't worry. I just love this. It's like, Hey, I did like, here's my story. Here's what I did. And, um, another one that I really love who is slightly younger, but very similar sentiment is rich Roll, who some of you may recognize he's an endurance athlete and author. Um, he has a, a very popular uh, podcast and he wrote something similar that says, I didn't reach my athletic peak until I was 43. I didn't write my first book until I was 44. I didn't start my podcast until I was 45. At 30, I thought life was over. At 52, I know it's just beginning. Keep running, never give up and watch your kite soar. I, I just love it. That watch your kite soar is just like, what a good motivational end. Um, but it's just the limitations we put on ourselves. And, you know, I have a lot of flexibility in my life, which maybe gives me more opportunity, but I think that you can find the opportunity and embrace them if you want to. Um, and I see this all, like, I just have such an amazing opportunity in what I do. I am grateful for it every single day because I just get to know so many people so intimately and the things that my clients are doing at all stages of their life is just amazing. It's so inspiring. It's so motivating. I say this all the time and I truly mean it. I get so much from my clients. I want to say I get just as much from my clients as they do um, from me. And obviously it's a very different type of exchange. You know, I'm providing a supportive coaching service and nutritional coaching and mindset coaching, so on and so forth, but they give me so much in return, you know, truly. And the, some of my biggest inspirations and motivations in life are, are my clients kind of as a collective, you know, even more so than any one specific person, because it's just like, I get to work with this army of incredible people. So many, you know, mothers and just empowering women and they're doing so much at every stage of life. And, you know, things that are, maybe not traditional, but are becoming traditional, you know, like ending relationships that they are not happy in and, you know, choosing a less traditional route for their health and happiness and to, you know, start educations at all different stages of life and to try new things and challenge themselves with new things. And I really try to encourage everyone to challenge themselves, uh, in, in many different ways when we work together, you know, getting comfortable with discomfort is 
a lot of what lifestyle change is, right? If we remain comfortable, we remain doing what we're doing. That's our set point, especially in times of, you know, stress or overwhelm. When we become overwhelmed, our system reverts back to what it is most comfortable with in a form of self-soothing, which are our patterns and habits and the habits that we've had the longest, right? And often um, those are not newly ingrained habits that we're trying to create. We fall back into patterns that maybe are holding us back. So, you know, I try to really encourage pushing through comfort zones and trying new things. And, oh, I have the perfect example. My, one of my incredible, actually two incredible clients this year, um, I'm not going to use their names, but they both are very comfortable with me sharing uh, their stories on social media, et cetera. So this is perfect. Um, two clients of mine, one is a type one diabetic. The other has had weight loss surgery and has now maintained her weight and beyond, uh, and her health most importantly for years utilizing ketogenic nutrition. Um, they both became cross country coaches this year and the two of them, you know, they don't know each other, but they just are both in my world. And it was just so unique that this popped up at the same time. And, you know, the two of them both basically said to me, I could have never imagined that this is what I would be doing now. And it's a snowball effect of, you know, having tried something new with ketogenic nutrition and tried something new with movement and, you know, pushed that one kilometer run. And I think so often when we look at the art of starting, um, you can't see it, but I have a little note in front of me where I've written starting with the ART in capitals. So it makes a, the emphasis is more obvious in my mind. So from now on, you can imagine that in your mind, the starting with a capital ART, like highlight underlined. Um, but I think so often when it comes to the art of starting, we are our own worst enemy because we look at the end goal. And this is where, you know, imagine the little photo of a picture of you. Imagine yourself, you know, standing at the bottom of a mountain, staring up to (laughs) the very top, right? Like from the base of the mountain, staring up to the very top, the peak of that mountain, man, that's overwhelming. Like that's going to be hard. That is how am I possibly going to do that? But now picture yourself like taking the first step of the trail. Well, now when you look up, you just see the next step and the next step and the next step in front of you. And you can focus on one step at a time. And this is the kind of eat the elephant approach. It is so incredibly difficult to get started on a goal when we are thinking about the big lofty, dramatic end. And so breaking it down into bite-sized pieces, like literally the eat the elephant analogy is so important, you know, and set realistic goals for yourself. And I really, this was the first year that I learned how to properly set goals. I truly think that I've gotten very lucky with some of what I've achieved based on my loose approach to goal setting. You know, I just kind of would be like, here's what I want. Like, I want to be an IFBB pro. I'm going to make it happen somehow and didn't necessarily break down the steps to get there. That worked 
but intentional goal setting is so much better and so much more fulfilling and so much more effective. And I truly believe so much more likely that you're going to follow through and succeed. So this last year, I worked very hard on coming up with a goal setting formula, truly a formula, a system that I use to set goals and break them down from the end goal to month goal to daily goal to if needed, if relevant, like even an hourly goal, depending on the situation. And this is something that I'll share with you guys in a future episode, because I want to help you learn how to implement systems. Because if you've never used goal setting systems before, it is very overwhelming. And I think as well, for a lot of people, that fear of failure creeps in where when we set a goal, what happens if we don't achieve it? Or, you know, what if we quote unquote fail? Um, I say this to clients all the time. I had a conversation with a client this week where, you know, set the goal of five days a week of workouts. And, you know, well, what happens if she only gets three? She, you know, does she mentally derail or does she celebrate the fact that three workouts is still progress because last week she did zero workouts. So with goal setting, yes, I want to encourage us to continue to follow through and hold ourselves accountable and, you know, achieve the goals that we've set out. But I also think that there is room for flexibility within our systems of goal setting where, you know, yes, the goal was five, three is better than zero. That is success. That is not failure. And it's all how you look at it. And when you start celebrating the successes of yourself, you gain confidence. How are you going to possibly push yourself towards bigger and bigger goals if you don't start with something small and achievable? And I think with the the art of starting as well, it's being realistic in our goal setting. And that doesn't mean being small or minimizing what we're capable of. It means starting with a little victory and then let's take the next step and the next step and the next step. And I think really reverse engineering big goals is the, the art of starting. That is the biggest art of starting. It's making that commitment just to try. And so for me, for example, I actually have my day planner right in front of me, which has all, by the way, um, I have tried every single day planner in the world this year. I, Okay, slight exaggeration, but I've tried many fancy ones, expensive ones, detailed ones. This year, I just kind of minimized down to a really basic moleskin planner, and it's been great for me. I think I'll probably try something new this year, but I've really enjoyed it. And so um, at the start of the year, I used the goal setting formula that I created through trial and error and... uh, (laughs) many different resources that I kind of pulled on to create my own. And I've shared this with uh, the majority of my clients, but I will share it with you guys in the future. So I use this to sit down and write my goals. I got it right in front of me, 2021 goals. I've got categories based on my personal values. I've got specifics from the yearly goal into the monthly goal into like the weekly goal in order to make sure I'm achieving them. Um, So like weekly, I have even down here like jujitsu, how many times a week, so on and so forth. 
maybe it doesn't happen every week because life happens and we have to be able to be flexible with our goal while being glued to them. But this really keeps me accountable and it gives me a visual as to what I actually, you know, I'm, I'm trying to achieve. So I think choosing a goal that is big and breaking it down into small parts, like doing one class, jujitsu is like totally on my mind right now. So instead of saying, you know, like, okay, I'm going to be a black belt, which is, yeah, that's, it's crazy for me even to say that out loud at this point when it's so fresh, I want to be a black belt in jujitsu, but one day I really do guess what? (laughs) That takes most people a decade. So, or a decade and beyond like minimum a decade. Imagine if I showed up to my first class and I was just like, I'm going to be a black, I'm going to be a jujitsu black belt. And then I get in there and I like trip and I fall on my face and I embarrass myself in my first class. (laughs) That would be so disheartening. And that would not build confidence for me to have felt like I had a victory and succeeded and keep on going. But for me to be like, you know what, I'm just going to go to my first class. I'm going to get this first class under my belt. And I know the first class is going to be scary and hard. So not only am I going to commit to my first class, I'm going to commit to my second class and then, you know, let it snowball from there and then start scheduling my, you know, weekly classes. So now mentally I schedule, I Monday night jujitsu, Tuesday night jujitsu, Wednesday night jujitsu, Saturday jujitsu. That's four days of the week. Well, this week something came up. I couldn't go Tuesday. So I held myself accountable to four days a week and I went on Thursday. This is, you know, flexibility, but staying committed to our goals. Now, if this is new, if this system of goal setting and trying new things and embracing, you know, the the fear and the discomfort and the embarrassment is new for you, accountability is key. And I think that this is one of the reasons coaches are so valuable. And I do not say this only because I am a coach, but because I have had and continue to have some incredibly, incredibly amazing coaches and powerful coaches in my life. I will end with something that I saw. um, Okay. It sounds like I'm just spending my whole day on Instagram, but you guys, a lot of my work (laughs) occurs on Instagram. I very rarely am on Instagram actually having time to browse anything. I'm there to share my things, communicate with clients, respond to messages, and then I go. But I did catch um, a post from a dear friend of mine recently, and it was six reasons you should just go for it. And it's one, life is short. I mean, (laughs) if that's not enough, um, this is actually a great uh, kind of point from the daily stoic, or I mean, the art, like, philosophy, I guess I'll say of stoicism, which if you've never read the daily stoic, it's one of the books I recommend, um, the most, which, you know, the stoics were ancient philosophers who basically would say, you know, like meditate on death, recognize not in a depressing, sad way, but recognize that life is short. If you meditate on death and realize your mortality and your humanness, it may influence you to make different choices. And I heard Ryan Holiday, the author of The Daily Stoic, and they also have a podcast. He has a podcast and some other books. Um, Just yesterday, I heard him saying, go to bed as if you've died. And when you wake up tomorrow, 
it is like the biggest opportunity you've ever been given. So what are you going to do with that day? What do you want to try? What do you want to know that you have tried? And for me, I will say jujitsu is something that I literally had thought about doing for years and years and years and fear did hold me back. I was nervous. I'd get hurt. I was nervous that I would not succeed if I wanted to compete. There were a lot of things. And again, so, you know, these practices of like pushing myself through classes and discomfort and, you know, trying things that made me uncomfortable, I think really helped me as well as some really great motivation and inspiration in in my personal life that I'm so lucky to have. So anyways, number one, life is short. Uh, Number two, it's not all or nothing. And this is that failure. Like it's not all or nothing. I would way rather try and quote unquote fail in someone else's eyes, not in my own eyes. And let me pull on a little big brother motivation uh, that I received. So when I was, you know, talking about doing my master's degree in public health and applying, I, I, I was nervous about not getting in because, you know, to me that could be reflective of failure. So I didn't tell anyone I applied. And so this is, you know, we're all works in progress. I'm not perfect. You know, this is my vulnerability sharing it with you that, you know, I, I was nervous to tell anyone I applied because what if I didn't get in, you know, what if I didn't get in? Well, what if I didn't get in? Then I tried and I didn't get in and, you know, that's fine too. And I can try again, but, um, then I got accepted. And I, when I applied, I finally said, if it's meant to be, it will be, this was really the mindset that I had. I have always expected that I would continue my education in some form. I knew that it would either be through mental health or a more physical health approach, but within health in some way, shape or form, my undergrad, one of my undergrads is in psychology. And I have always been so passionate about psychology. It's a big part of what I do in coaching. And so I had always kind of planned or expected that at some point I'd go back and continue with psychology and, you know, do the honors into masters and and maybe a PhD. But I have started just becoming so passionate about nutrition and what nutrition can do therapeutically and preventatively. And I just felt like I could have a greater impact going into a more traditional stream of health with public health. And so I put my name in that hat and, and I just said, you know, like if it's meant to be, it will be. And if not, I'll go the psychology route, which I have the ability to do. So I got in and then it became this, should I do it? You know, like, is it just this mini back and forth of, you know, weighing and balancing and all of these things. And, um, and my brother, my oldest brother, Dylan said that, you know, his approach and what he, he kind of thinks about is that he'd rather regret having tried something than having missed the opportunity to have tried. So would rather accept entrance into the master's program and try it out. And if decided it wasn't for him leave versus wondering what if he would have tried. Right. And that's something that really stuck with me. And I have kind of come back to many times within the last, you know, it's only been a few like months since he shared that advice, maybe a year, I guess, since entrance, like that he shared this advice for me. And I just, I think that's so great. Like it's not all or nothing. Like I would way rather try and fail or try and decide it's not for me, then have, then wonder and spend the rest of my life 
wondering. Um, Three, who cares what other people think? This is that judgment. And I really feel social media has exacerbated this in such a dramatic way. If you are constantly putting everything you're doing on social media and you think eyes are on you and you're being judged and analyzed, I mean, that is so cementing. How do you move forward? That would be very difficult, I think, for almost anyone. Um, So it's one, not necessary to post share everything you're doing, you know, and this is something that I've learned over the years, having kind of done both ways. You know, I've done social media where I shared everything and, and I've done social media where I have done it as, you know, more of a professional only platform, way less personal. And the pressure that that has taken off of me, which was all self-induced, right? Like we all think everyone really cares what we're doing. Uh, I always jokingly, jokingly say we're all a little bit narcissistic, but you know, it's out of that fear of, of judgment. And it's a, I mean, physiological drive to be accepted. Um, what is that? The Maslow's hierarchy of needs. One of them is like social acceptance. Um, but no one's there to, you know, watch you fail people. I think really just as much want to see you thrive. And if they don't, who cares what they think? It's just that simple. Who cares what they think? Um, Arnold Schwarzenegger, you know, avoid the naysayers. I think that's just the best advice. And it is, I think, a good mantra to remind ourselves that, you know, we're not fearing failure. We are fearing the judgment of failure from others. And those others then do not need, you know, to take up space in our life Four, you can do hard things. Glennon Doyle, baby. This is a book I read uh, over the summer, Untamed by Glennon Doyle, and you can do hard things. And before I had even read that book, this is actually an actual mantra that I use when I'm running. I am not a super distance runner. I've run two half marathons. Um, One of them was in like minus 24 below weather, which definitely felt like I was doing hard things. And When I'm running, I repeat to myself, you can do hard things. When I want to start, when I want to start stopping, I say to myself mentally and sometimes verbally, if needed, you can do hard things. And the thing that I love about that is because if I can do this one hard thing, I can do the next hard thing and so on and so on and so on. And, you know, I really do think it's like a ladder, right? And this is where that snowball of success happens where it's like, okay, start with the little victory. I didn't start running a half marathon. I started running one to two to three kilometers regularly at the start of COVID. And then slowly that crept up to four to five kilometers and then five to six and then six to seven. I literally added on one at a time. And a lot of that was mentally, I had to prove to myself like, okay, if I can do one kilometer, I can do two. And if I know I can do two, I can probably do three and so on and so forth. And this is kind of my philosophy of life. You know, if I've done this hard thing, I can do the next hard thing. And, you know, I look back and see the things that I've achieved, even though they maybe felt overwhelming and impossible at the time, but by, you know, avoiding totally looking at the top of the mountain and just taking one step, one foot in front of the other, just truly taking action you know, I was eventually able to get there and and I continue to push myself to do more every single day. Number five, doing what you love makes success more likely. Um, 
I think that is just so important, you know, the doing what you love and finding passion. I know maybe it's easier said than done, but at this point with all of the luxuries we have access to in terms of technology and free resources and social media and just everything at our fingertips on our phone, you know, I really think that we should all be able to do what we love in some form. And maybe that doesn't mean in terms of career, you know, maybe that doesn't mean in terms of career. I am so grateful to do what I do every single day. I have never experienced this quote unquote Sunday scaries that I feel people talking about or hear people talking about. And it really makes me sad to know that people feel that way on, on a Sunday thinking about work the next day. And I totally understand, you know, I can understand if you're working a nine to five and working from, for someone else, maybe in a position that you're not happy in or for someone you're not happy with, you know, I, I can totally understand the Sunday scary, but I'm so glad that I am not in that position Um, and I got a great newsletter in my inbox today, uh, James Clear, the author of Atomic Habits, which is one of my other favorite books. I'm sure you will hear me talk about that often when it comes to upcoming episodes, sends out an amazing, uh, newsletter on Thursdays and I look forward to it every single week. And then one of the quotes he included today is a small act is worth a million thoughts. And it's just that taking action, you know, just take action, just start. And I think that that allows us to find our passion too. I think when we are scared to start and we don't master this art of starting, we're unlikely to find what we're passionate about. And just like I said, like dancing, singing drama, I kind of thought that those might be things I was passionate about, but how would I have known if I didn't try, or how would I have known that I would have loved martial arts if I hadn't tried, you know, I needed to experience those things to feel that I was passionate about them. And when I was younger, I had this theory that I romantically has kind of carried with me in into life where I feel like every single person in the world um, is meant to be an expert at one thing. And they just haven't necessarily found their thing yet. So, you know, now I think of it in the way of like, I think every single person can find something they're so passionate about, but they maybe just haven't tried on enough new things yet. And again, as we age, I don't think it's because we're getting older. I think it's because we we forget the art of playfulness and trying and dusting the dirt off when we fall down and getting back up. It's nothing to do with biological age. I think it's the length of time of just not practicing the habit of playing and experiencing and, and trying something new, you know, when we're kids, so often we're introduced to different topics and, you know, maybe our parents are putting us in different activities or you try a new instrument or a new sport or whatever the case is. And you're just, fearless, you know, you're fearless in a different way. We don't know the fear of judgment of others. Um, so I ex- encourage all of us to, you know, find that inner child and experience play in that way, because I think that's how we get closer to finding the things we love and find the things we're passionate about. And finally, you know, just to end on another kind of, you know, I think, dreamy now is the world rewards the brave. And I think it is, it's like an energetic exchange with the universe, not to take it, 
too far off the beaten path, but you know, there's something to be said about putting yourself out there and being brave and being courageous, you know, so many good things come on the other side of fear, you know, so that, you know, forget fearing failure and just reward yourself for your bravery as well. So I hope that by the end of this podcast, I've inspired you to take action on even one small thing. And even if that action is just research, right? Um, With the stages of decision making, it's the stages of um, contemplation in psychology, which is kind of an old school psychology theory, but they're still very relevant. Uh, You know, it's the stages of contemplation, pre-contemplation, contemplation, contemplation, decision making. It takes time to build up to these things, but I hope that this has sparked a fire for you to maybe speed that process up a little bit more and master the art of starting for yourself. I use this podcast as an example. I am getting more excited about it every single episode as I get more confident. And if I hadn't faced that initial fear of sitting down and starting a podcast. And I will say like, I don't know if you know this, but this is actually my second go at a podcast. Uh, You know, I'm not scared of the, there's no failure. There's no failure because for me, the goal was just to start it. It was to start it, to have weekly episodes, to have biweekly guests and to really encourage keeping yourself well through mental and physical health. And anything beyond that is gravy. That's all the time we have together this week. Thank you so much for spending your time with me. Please don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss a new episode every Sunday. If you enjoyed this episode, I would love for you to share it with a friend, someone else who will be inspired to take that first step. Find me on Instagram and Facebook at KY Wellness. Anything related to my coaching can be found at kywellness.ca. Don't forget to move your body, nourish your body, be kind to yourself, be kind to others. I will see you next week. Keep yourself well.